Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. just introduce myself in case we haven't had the chance to meet yet. My name is Colin and I'm the youth coordinator here at Crosspoint. Uh, what do I mean by that? I mean I get the chance to be able to lead our junior high and high school ministries. And just kind of before I get started, I just want to say if you're here and you're a youth or you're a parent of a youth, we have a lot coming up this upcoming year. We'd love for you to get plugged in and get involved. So uh, we're going to be hanging out at the youth booth after the gathering and uh, just let you know about what's going on with our youth ministry. And uh, yeah, and I'll just say as well, you know, if you're new here, we're just so glad that you're here this morning, and we just want to extend a special welcome to you. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to start off by asking you guys a question. And the question is this, have you ever had an unexpected house guest show up at your house? Well, let me tell you a story. So back when Kelly and I first got married, it's been almost two years now. Uh, we were hanging out at our place. Uh, we had slept in. It was a Saturday morning. Uh, we were having some breakfast. Uh, we had eggs and toast. Um, it was good. And we were just sitting in, our, sitting in our kitchen, and we were slightly lethargic, and we really were in no rush for anything that day. We were just taking our time. And we had no intention for rushing for anyone or anything. When suddenly, the doorbell rang. Who could it be? We said, looking at each other. We were kind of confused. We weren't expecting anyone. And our initial response was just to ignore it. You know what? We're just pretending we're not home. We don't want we don't <laughs> we don't want to deal with people right now. We just want to enjoy our breakfast. So we continue to eat or continue to eat our breakfast. But then a few moments later, there were three solid knocks at the door. And whoever it was, it sounded like they were driven to get inside of our house. And immediately I thought to myself, that kind of sounds like police door knocks. So then what I did was I proceeded to go out to the living room and I see the door, I see the front door. And uh, the way that we had it set up is we had our front door, there was a bit of a peephole, but there was this window at the top of the door. And I just see this bald head peering through this top, through the top of the door. So I got nervous and I quickly went and I opened up the door and lo and behold, there were three police officers standing at our house. And just to give you a little bit of history on myself, uh, for someone such as myself who has a past with selling drugs, not recently, but that was part of my past. I was a little unnerved and I was a little triggered to say the least. So I sheepishly asked, hello, can I help you? The officer quickly asked me, is there an Amy here? No, no Amy. The cop proceeded to tell me that they got a 911 call from a girl named Amy at our, from like our location. It was like an internet call or something weird like that. So the cop asked, can we search the premises? I quickly agreed, what am I gonna say? No. I, I, I like say, oh, well, do you have a warrant? Like, <laughs> yeah. But these guys, they meant business. So they quickly came inside of our house. They didn't even take their boots off. Uh, like, and 
just a bit of a side note, that was an important note that my wife made sure I made sure I remembered when I shared this story this morning. Because they, they stepped around the house, had their dirty boots on. Luckily, they didn't mess anything up. But we had this new cow rug that we got for a wedding gift. And if you know my wife, you don't mess with my wife's cow rug. It's, it's what's one of her favorite things. But they were driven, and they checked every single corner of the house. And lo and behold, there was no Amy. We weren't surprised by that. Kind of freaked out our roommate that we had downstairs, that we had police search into the house. But with all that being said, today, we're going to be talking about another unexpected house guest. And this house guest, just like the police officers, was also driven. This house guest, it wasn't your average house guest. This house guest was a woman who lived a lifestyle that her community would have scorned at. This house guest was a woman, she was promiscuous, she slept around. This house guest was a prostitute. So if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be jumping back into the Gospel of Luke. We've been journeying through this uh, series called The King's Tale, and we're just journeying through the Gospel of Luke, step by step, chunk by chunk. And we're just going to be continuing right from where we left off last week. And so uh, we're going to be jumping into Luke chapter 7, verses 36. We're just going to read to 39 for right now. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open those up. If you have a swipey device, we have the bullets and notes as well. You can open that up and follow along. So I'm going to start at verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful lifestyle learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him, at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who this woman was, and that she was a sinner. Let's pray together. God, I just want to thank you just so much just for who you are. I want to thank you for your word, for, for the Bible, for scripture, that um, you speak to us even now, and that, that it's not irrelevant, that it's not just some old document that we can just toss away, but you actually speak to us through this. So God, as we just dive into your word, I pray that you just speak to our hearts and transform us, and I just pray that our hearts are receptive to what you have to say. And I just pray this in your name. Amen. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to journey through this story together. Uh, first, we're just going to examine some key observations that we can find in the text. Then I have a key truth that I really want to drive home and uh, for you to remember. And then we're going to get practical at the end. But first, let me paint you a picture of the background. Uh, well, the story, it takes place at a dinner party. And this dinner party is not your average dinner party. This isn't a dinner party where you had your feet kicked up, you crack a beer, you have the latest trade album playing in the background. This party was a little more formal. And this dinner party, it was so significant that it wouldn't just be talked about for days, for weeks, for months, for years, but it'd be talked about for centuries, hence we are talking about it today. And this dinner party, it was interrupted by an unexpected house guest, we talked about that before. This house guest was a prostitute, uh, she wasn't just any prostitute, however, she was a prostitute that was driven to meet with Jesus. And this was a Pharisee's party. If you're new here to church this morning, and, you, and I'm going to be talking about the Pharisees, um, a Pharisee was an elite religious leader of the day. Uh, they knew the Jewish law very, very well. They were very religious. They were known for their outward religious acts. Uh, they were very legalistic, and they often lacked compassion for people, especially the people that they labeled as sinners in their society. So what I want you to do is I want you to imagine a room full of these people. 
these religious people, the people that were quick to judge you for any moral imperfection. This room was full of them. And this is where we read of the woman coming to meet with Jesus. Now we're picturing this setting. Imagine a woman entering the room, just totally disrupting the scene. This woman was driven. And this woman was so driven that she did three uncanny things. One, she sacrificed her time. She sacrificed her resources. And she also sacrificed her reputation. Let's look at the first one. She sacrificed her time. Well, what do I mean by this? You know, I don't know, if, I don't know about you, but if I were this woman, I probably would have picked a different time to go and meet with Jesus. But it's important to note, in Jewish uh, culture at this time, what uh, they would do with these dinners is they would actually open them up to the poor for people to, for them to come and be able to have the leftovers. And the, this woman obviously found that this was the opportune time to come and meet with Jesus. This woman, she showed up with urgency to make sure that this encounter took place. Whatever she had going on that day, whatever um, appointments, commitments, or other plans that she had, they were not relevant. This woman was driven to act. And she didn't want to procrastinate. It was not part of her plan. You know, this is probably not the first time that she saw uh, Jesus before. She's probably seen him before in his public ministry. Uh, she probably saw Jesus preach and teach uh, before the crowds. Uh, she likely saw Jesus perform miracles. Like, she probably saw him heal the sick, raise the dead, bring sight to the blind. The lame were walking. Demons were coming out of people. Jesus was the hot news of the town. And he was well into his earthly ministry. Uh, people, uh, they would have spread the word about what Jesus was doing. Uh, the impossible was, made, or was being made possible. And Jesus was completely turning the town upside down. So this is likely why the Pharisees probably invited him over in the first place. They wanted to know what this buzz was all about. But why was this woman so driven to meet with Jesus at this particular moment? You know, in a religiously hostile environment, a place that she knew she probably didn't belong, a place of scholarly discussion, a place of theological thought, she felt that this is the time that she had to meet with Jesus. But what? What was driving this woman? Well, let's look at the second observation. This woman sacrificed her resources. You know, we read in the text that not only did this woman urgently come to meet with, uh, meet with Jesus, but she also brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And what's significant about this? I think this is a detail that can easily be overread or um, underrated. In this perfume, it was not just your average bottle of perfume. It wasn't just a bottle of Nicki Minaj, Dolce & Gabbana, Calvin Klein's Eternity for Women, whatever your scent is here this morning. But this perfume was very, very expensive. It probably would have been worth up to a year's wages. And we read that she began weeping. She wiped his feet with her tears. She proceeded to wipe them with her hair. And in first century Jewish culture, normally guests who would show up at a home, they'd have a maidservant come and wipe their feet. But let's keep in mind, too, that the people at this time, they walked around everywhere, and their feet would have been pretty rank. Um, I'm already kind of grossed out by feet, never mind them, so. But Jesus, at this time, he hadn't yet had his feet washed. But this woman decided to take on the task of doing so. And let's remember, this woman was a prostitute. She would have traded sex for money. She needed the money, and she was willing to use her body to acquire it. Likely being driven to make ends meet, using her body to pay the bills, someone who found love in all the wrong places, desperate, broken. The financial security of what she was doing was probably one of the only reasons that she could justify doing what she was doing. Now, this expensive bottle of perfume, she decided to pour it out on the seat 
what drove this woman to sacrifice her treasure? Well, let's look at the third, third observation. This woman, she sacrificed her reputation. And now we know this woman probably didn't have a good reputation to begin with. I think that's pretty clear. She's known for being a sinful one, woman, being a prostitute. And one the Pharisees felt completely justified to judge. And this woman, she was willing to go, use her tears, use her hair, to wipe his feet, to kiss his feet, to pour perfume on them. And what can we conclude from that? Well, this woman, based on her actions, clearly did not care about those that were around her, because she was driven to meet with Jesus. And I guess it's important just to kind of elaborate a bit more on the Pharisees. We talked about who they were, but why were they so judgmental? These Pharisees, you know, although they were in the presence of Jesus, they just didn't seem to understand Jesus. And this is a theme that we'll see throughout the, you see throughout the Gospels. They have a distorted view of holiness. You know, we can see this from Simon's remark that he made to himself. You know, he said if Jesus were a prophet, he would know that he was a sinner. And based on that statement, the conclusion that he was coming to is he, since if you were a prophet, he'd know that you'd be a sinner, that he should have nothing to do with her. Since he was allowing this woman to do what she was doing, he must not be a prophet. So essentially, in this moment, Jesus was being discredited for the Pharisees because he felt that Jesus shouldn't have been allowing this woman to do what she was doing. And, you know, the Pharisees, uh, they believed that this woman probably didn't deserve to be treated with dignity, with care, with compassion. They didn't see a woman, someone's daughter, someone's sister, or someone's friend. They saw a whore, a prostitute, a sinner, a lost cause, she was like a disease to be avoided, a leper to be separated from. And this revealed the heart condition. You know, the truth is, is this woman probably knew exactly how she'd be viewed. And this is probably how she viewed herself. She knew she probably wouldn't get a warm welcome. She wouldn't get a, uh, she wouldn't get a spot at the table. She probably wasn't going to get a high five or even a smile. She knew the awkwardness and the contempt that would be there upon her arrival. But this woman didn't care. This woman was willing to sacrifice her reputation to encounter Jesus. So let's do a quick recap. This woman was driven to sacrifice her time, her resources, and her reputation. But we still don't know what the reason is that she did this. Why would she take such risks? Why would she make such sacrifices? The audacity that this woman had. What drove this woman? Well, we're going to find out. So we're going to just continue with the rest of the passage. We're going to read verses 40 to 50. Verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one that had the bigger debt. You judge correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Okay, 
you did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I have entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say uh, among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Did you catch it? We found the driving factor in this woman's situation. This woman here, she was not some loony tune that wanted to just come and interrupt the party. She wasn't a haggler that just wanted to cause a disturbance and create attention for herself. This woman, she was responding to an experience. And this experience is what drove this woman. This experience is what caused this woman to take risk, to humble herself, to take the chance of opposition and ridicule. This experience was transformative. And this experience was her forgiveness. Now, now if you're going to remember anything that I tell you this morning, I want you to remember this. Forgiveness drives sacrifice. This woman, she was driven to see Jesus because of an experience that she had. This woman, she had an experience with love, with grace, with forgiveness. This experience drove this woman to sacrifice. And this experience was so impactful that she was willing to lay down her time, her treasure, and her reputation. And all that mattered in this moment was the woman wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. You know, her previous schedule, it no longer mattered. Her jar of perfume, it was no longer hers. Her old reputation, no longer defined her. And this is kind of like my story. I wasn't planning on originally sharing this, but I'm just going to touch on a little bit. But seven years ago, if you were to have told me that I'd be up here talking about, or teaching about the Word of God, I would have just kind of laughed at you and thought you were crazy. Because seven years ago, I was desperately addicted to heroin, cocaine, and other prescription drugs. My life was a complete disaster. And I can easily say that I could have been seen as a lost cause. That I was someone who lived a shameful lifestyle. That I was someone that should have been avoided. Someone to be judged. But thankfully, Jesus got a hold of my life, and through the help of my family, Rob, and other cross-pointers here, as some of them that are here this morning, I was surrounded by people who showed me the gospel in ways that I had never experienced before. And I had such a profound sense that Jesus decided to restore my life. And I sacrificed a year to go to a place called Teen Challenge, if you haven't heard of it before. It's a year-long faith-based treatment center. And I remember I was really nervous about going because I was leaving everything I knew that was normal for an entire year. Uh, left my family, left, uh, just left, left everything, left deaths that were left behind. Uh, I wasn't really on good terms with some people as well, so there was a lot of fear. But let's just say that year it changed my life forever. And based on my experience with forgiveness, I was driven to make that sacrifice. And I can tell you from personal experience, when you experience Jesus, when you experience forgiveness, it changes everything. But going back to the story, so there was, the, there was two uh, characters that we're going to see in contrast. There was the Pharisee and there was the woman. The Pharisee merely wanted, uh, the Pharisee merely wanted to associate with Jesus. But this woman was driven to love Jesus. The Pharisee wondered what he could get from Jesus, but this woman was driven to serve Jesus. One, of the, one was a religious scholar, one was a prostitute. The Pharisee barely knew Jesus, but this woman was driven by her need for Jesus. The Pharisee was driven by works for his salvation, and the woman was driven by her salvation to do works. You know, the Pharisee had a philosophy that his salvation was because he was a good person. 
woman understood that her salvation came because she wasn't. And we understand this very well because of the contrast, or we understand the contrast very well because of the parable that Jesus shared. Uh, one had a small debt forgiven, while the other one had a much larger debt forgiven. And the one with the larger debt forgiven showed more love. And that reveals the central truth that we have this morning. Forgiveness drives sacrifice. The one with the greater debt forgiven showed more love, just as the woman did. And I think it's important for us to define love this morning, because I think it's a very watered-down word in our society. Uh, love is displayed often with sacrifice. You know, I can tell you this morning that I love a good cheeseburger. I really do. But I also love my wife. What's the difference between the two? Well, I'll tell you right now, I would not sacrifice my life for a cheeseburger. You know, my wife might say otherwise, but the, the, the principle that I'm trying to get at is that love demands sacrifice. Love drives sacrifice. It's an action. Love costs. Love is sometimes inconvenient. It's not passive, but it's active. So let's refer back to how this woman demonstrated her love. In verse 44, it says that uh, he turned to the, to the woman and he said, Simon, do you see this woman? I came to your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love is shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. So I just want to bring a quick uh, clarification. I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. But there could be a misunderstanding from this text, and it could bring up this question. Is it these actions that brought about the woman's salvation, that brought about her forgiveness? And the answer is a resounding no. This woman was merely responding to the forgiveness that she had already received. Because it was not by her works that brought her salvation, but by her salvation she responded with works. So Jesus is basically saying to the Pharisee, you know, you don't have to work to be saved. You're kind of getting it wrong. But based on your actions, based on your attitude, based on your judgment, you should probably check the state of your heart. Maybe you should evaluate your own motivations. You should evaluate what's driving you. So what's driving you this morning? I have to ask myself the same question. What's driving you? Because here's the truth. We've said it before. When we have experienced forgiveness, when we experience Jesus, it changes everything. The woman who is a prostitute, a slave to her own sin, a lifestyle that defined her, a life that was driven by shame, was changed forever when she encountered Jesus. This woman knew that the only hope that she had for her life to change, to have meaning, to have purpose, to be redeemed, was found in Jesus. And that's the gospel. If you're new here this morning, I just want to share with you that Jesus, he lived here. He was a real real guy. He walked on earth. He um, lived a perfect life. He died a brutal death. And he died on the cross and he rose again. And Jesus himself was so driven by love that he sacrificed everything. He did it for us, just like this woman, so that we can have new life. Our lives that were once defined by our past mistakes, our past, are now defined by Jesus' love and what Jesus has done for us. And just like this woman, who was once broken, alone, and aimless in life, found wholeness, belonging, and purpose. And that is what Christ has called us to here as well today. Jesus loves us, and he accepts us where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. So let's get practical this morning. How do we live this out? You know, for those of us who are here, we identify as Christ followers, let's evaluate ourselves. What about our time?
know our lives are busy. You know, some of us are students, some of us are parents, volunteers, some of us are getting married. In the midst of all those responsibilities, all those due dates, all those things that we have to do, where does Jesus fit? I'm not just talking about doing things for Jesus, but spending time with Jesus. You know, is Jesus part of our lives every single day? Or do we separate the sacred and the secular, and we just kind of do the Jesus thing on Sundays? You know, maybe God's pressing on your heart uh, to serve, to start up a home group, serve in your community. Maybe it's uh, serving uh, downstairs with the kids, whatever it is. What's Jesus pressing on your heart today? Specifically with God. And our resources, you know, money is often a common source of security for us. It's easy for us to hold on to it very tightly. You know, sometimes we, I'm guilty to this, spending things that just thrill the treasures and desires of our hearts, and sometimes for me, that's cheeseburgers. But when we go to restaurants, do we tip well? Do we give to those in need? Imagine if our life was marked by generosity, and our finances were used for God's kingdom and God's glory. And what about our reputation? You know, our reputation either honors the world's standards or it honors God's. Do we genuinely show love and kindness to other people? You know, as Christ followers, our actions do matter. And for some people, the people that don't know Jesus in our lives, our lives might be the only Bible that they'll ever read. So are we living lives that represent Christ well in our schools, in our workplaces, in our communities, in our neighborhoods? You know, it's so easy to be driven by what the world has to say or what will give it the most, give us the most likes on social media. And it's a lot harder to sometimes live in obedience to what the scripture has to say to us. So once again, like I've said, forgiveness drives sacrifice. It generates transformation. And when we're experiencing Jesus, we start to look more like Jesus. And our only hope is found in Him. So to conclude, as you're reflecting on your life this morning, I want to ask you the question. What is driving you? Let's pray together. God, we just uh, just thank you just so much for your word. And we just thank you for just the story and this example that we have with, uh, that's found in Scripture. Uh, Jesus, when it comes to looking more like you, when it comes to just tackling these areas of our time, our treasure, and uh, our reputation, uh, we can't do it without you. We need you, Jesus, and we just need you to do a transforming work in us. So God, I just pray as we just move into our week, as we conclude with our day, that we um, decide to just keep our focus and our eyes on you and take the time to listen to your voice and hear what your word has uh, to say to us. God, we love you, and uh, we just live our lives. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.